Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Shelf podcast. My name is Jamie Skinner and in this podcast I invite a guest to bring five items or symbols which they believe have brought them happiness, uplift or have generally contributed to good mental health in their lives. These items can be absolutely anything they want. Face mask, dictionary, water bottle, pedal bin... Can you believe I don't make those up on the spot? Anyway, they can be absolutely anything they want, and then these, but probably not those, let's be honest, get put on their mental health shelf, something to which they can look to when the world gets to them a bit or they simply need some form of escape. All those items are there to potentially comfort them. And a variety of items may very well appear in this particular episode, as I'm joined by a guest who appears to like to keep busy with a life filled with, well, variety. Joining me is DJ and award-winning musician Josette, also known for her ASMR YouTube channel ASMR Shortbread. It was through watching this channel where I first became aware of Josette, while her various pieces of work, which she clearly has a huge passion for, particularly the music, you can see just by watching one or two videos on her YouTube channel just how much she loves, just how passionate she is about the music that she creates and indeed promotes as well, particularly with her twin sister Frankie. Uh, They both are part of the music duo well, it's both duo, uh, called Kintra. We'll likely get onto that in the discussion, but it was that which made me want to invite her onto this podcast. I'm very interested to hear what items she picks, and so that's enough waffle from me. Let's hear what's on Gisette's mental health shelf. It is wonderful to welcome to this month's edition of the Mental Health Shelf podcast one half of the award-winning music duo Kintra, co-founder of the Polkadot Disco Club and host of over 145,000 subscribers as one whole of ASMR Shortbread. Gisette, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. Well, I don't know. Now I'm feeling a little bit, I think, flustered after hearing all those (laughs) nice things that you said about me. Thank you. You, you do seem to have made or found a career from j- just things that bring you joy and escape. Is that the case? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I was thinking about that the other day, actually. Um, I do feel genuinely blessed that I've been able to pursue more creative outlets and create a, a career out of that, really. It's been about a year since I quit my full-time job and I've been focusing on music and ASMR and event management. So, yeah, it's it's been a great... A great year and I feel genuinely blessed that I've been able to do so. It, is it a lot is it something that comes with a lot of variety is, is that something you look for? I think inadvertently yes I've always been somebody that's doing something um, I struggle to stay still so I think my lifestyle at the moment I'm always jumping about I've got friends who have me on Instagram who are like where are you now? <laughs> Where have you been now? <laughs> Which city are you in? And I think that's just, it's just me really. So having the variety in my day-to-day life, it's kind of something I didn't realise I looked for until it happened. Because I've seen, you know, as well, and you've talked about this in some of the videos on your YouTube channel, that you like to go out and explore, kind of go on travels. Is is that something that you like within your work as well, just learning and exploring, even within the things that you, you know, continue to do that you've been doing for ages? Yeah, definitely. I, when I was younger, I used to always think to myself, I'd love to get a job where I could, where I could travel. I'd love to get a job. And I didn't know what I would do. Um, and even my first job, after my first real adult job, we could say, after university, I was working for a university um, recruiting Chinese students. So I'd go over to China and meet students and get them enthused about higher education. And the business travel was so much fun. And I remember being in the job thinking, wait, this is this is what I was wanting. This is exactly what I was wanting. Um, unfortunately, COVID messed that all up. But the the career of being able to, well, start at least, um, I'd say I'm at the beginning stages of the next part of my life. But um, yeah, even that, I've been able to travel to different venues and I've been able to play in well, one or two other countries as well, which has been fantastic. So yeah, I, I've been having a great time, really. You say you like to keep uh, yourself busy, you like to do all these kind of things. It, it not really settle into sort of one thing, so to say. Is there any point when you kind of look for a break or a form of escape? Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, well, actually, it's hard to say what you mean by a break. I mean, um, a lot of people, I think, would class it as sitting in and watching a movie and recuperating. Whereas in my downtime, I like going out. 
<laughs> clubbing. <laughs> so I suppose I don't stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm it... just a big extrovert. I, I like meeting people. I get my energy from being around people. So actually, if I've been in the house all day, for me, that's that actually is quite draining. So if I've been in the house all day, going out for tea, or sorry, um, going out for dinner, <laughs> the Scottish word, I suppose, would be tea. Um, going out for dinner with a friend is kind of my downtime. That would be my way of uh, getting my energy levels back. But, you know, if, that, if that's your escape, that's your escape. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> um, on your YouTube channel, the bio says, um, it, to quote, it turns out that sitting in my room whispering for 30 minutes actually soothes me almost as much as watching an ASMR video does. How beneficial has that channel been for you in kind of finding a peace of mind at times or calming you down? It has been invaluable, really. I think knowing that I've got a place to go where I have just been myself, I think, or I try to be throughout the videos that I create online in terms of whether I'm on social media, I try and be myself. And I think having that escape online um being able to connect with strangers has been so good for my mental health. Even just, I think, you know, I'll voice things, I'll talk about things that are happening in my life. And then having people in the comment section even giving advice or giving their point of view, I'm able to connect with people from all walks of life. Not necessarily something I'd maybe be able to do on a regular day to day. Um, so I think that's been amazing just for my own growth in terms of yeah growing as a person seeing other people's perspectives it, it strikes me and you know this is on the comments on various channels and the way that people interact the, the, with their sort of followers and community that it, it is one of the few places on the internet particularly on youtube where there is such a supportive group a group of people if you if you found this i have i think a lot of content creators on youtube everyone has to deal with haters and there are some niches where I think the comments could be quite brutal, uh, but generally you'll find that ASMR comment sections are so wholesome, very supportive and lovely. Um, I think out of the comment section, if I get a hundred nice comments, I might get about one or two nasty comments, genuinely. Um, it's so wholesome and I'm very appreciative of that. Does that make it kind of easier to drown out the kind of more negative comments? It's interesting. That was something that I struggled with at first putting yourself out there and I did I have received negative comments especially in the beginning when perhaps my ASMR wasn't as good I wasn't that established um I was a new face to the community and that's I suppose at the beginning that's when you it kind of stings a little bit but I've definitely over the four years I've been doing it have grown thick skin and now when I see a negative comment whatever it's talking about I usually just have a wee giggle to myself like not like genuinely I'm like oh right okay and it just honestly it just slides off me whereas it did used to cut me up at the beginning if I'm being completely honest um and you'd receive like like I say well maybe 10 comments that were lovely and then if one the 11th one was negative you'd focus on it and focus on it and write a response and then delete it and then write another response and then delete it and then not sure what to do uh, whereas now I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, 145,000 subscribers, that, that's a decent amount. Yeah, I suppose that that, that helps, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, knowing that, that like there are at least quite a lot of people that do support it, um, I hope by now I would be able to, yeah, drown up the few that maybe would hate a little bit more. But anyway. <laughs> uh, to quickly go back to something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you talked about, you know, opening up on your channel and particularly in the last couple of months you've opened up about some personal things in your life still keeping certain things to yourself but what's it been like opening up about certain things in your life on this youtube channel that's a, that's a good question um even the other day i think i put a, an empowering post on twitter and instagram being like oh i'm off the dating apps now <laughs> but because i want to um work on myself blah blah and i told my sister this and she was like what why would you share that with your followers? And I was like, why not? You know, I I genuinely feel like when I'm having a conversation with the camera, it's like I'm having a conversation with a friend, but also myself. It's like a, I mean, I've, I've written a diary for years. I mean, I've stopped recently, but I kept a diary religiously from the age of eight to 16. Like genuinely, there's like an entry for every day of my life for eight years. It's so sad. Um, but 
I feel that creating an ASMR video is very similar to that in the sense that I'm I'm speaking to nobody but also to myself but also to the viewer who I know I'm going to be able to hopefully connect with so yeah I think it all just kind of comes out naturally really and for example if something bad happens in my life um like that breakup the, like I mentioned on my channel that I had a, a breakup recently um, my way of dealing with it is calling up all my friends, calling up my family, being with people. I, I didn't like being on my own, um, telling people what happened, lamenting. And that's how I feel better, by getting things off my chest. Whereas my mum, she's the complete opposite. She holds uh, all her cards close to her chest, keeps everything to herself and is very private. So she would never talk about anything like that. Um, so I suppose for me, because of the way I am, talking on a camera is like talking to a friend and getting these things off my chest is therapeutic, hmm. uh, voicing them out. Um, yeah, very big answer. <laughs> there you go. Have, have you always found it kind of easy to open up then? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe because, well, I don't know, I'm not about to start psychoanalyzing myself. Um, it is my personality, but... I have a twin sister, as yeah, as you know, one half of Kintra. Um, and I've always had somebody there to be a sounding board. And I think perhaps that has contributed to why it's been so easy for me to open up. I've had somebody who's very similar to me who gets me and no judgment passed. So it's maybe translates a little bit to the rest of my life. I don't know. That's that's just a guess that I've just thought about there. <laughs> Let's start to move on to uh, kind of the items on your mental health shelf then. Uh, the things that have brought you joy and escape and maybe themselves helped to open up. Um, you mentioned there your sister and your, as we mentioned at the start, award-winning and um, <laughs> music duo. What was that like winning an award for that, by the way? Oh, it was honestly unreal. When we found out we'd been nominated, first of all, it it honestly felt like it wasn't real um the fact that a few months previously we'd been at another award ceremony and i remember thinking to myself oh, it'd be it'd be amazing to win something like this and then a few months later i was nominated for something similar um we actually missed the announcement of the the award being given to us we were at the award ceremony and my sister and i were through the room um at the co-joining bar and <laughs> completely missed it i was speaking to another scottish dj hannah lane she's blown up recently and we were chatting away about her story. And then I looked on Facebook and it said, you've been tagged in a post. Oh, um, Kintra is the winners of Sama, <laughs> Best Electronic. And I was like, oh my God. And we started running through the room uh, into the big hall and we'd missed the announcement. But after the break, they let us go up and uh, get the award formally. But um, yeah, so it was a bit of a, a, whirlwind, a whirlwind at the time uh, to actually receive the award. I didn't get the chance to process it until, well, the break. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was honestly fantastic. So on your shelf, is there anything music related on there? Um, actually, yes. One of my items is my violin. However, not my electric violin. I would say my acoustic violin, which I don't really play anymore. The reason being, when I'm practicing, I like to practice with the instrument that I'm going to be playing and performing with. Um, the fingerboard's slightly different lengths and it's better for my muscle memory. But my old violin, um, I got it. My dad bought me it when I think I was... 13, 14, and that's when I started sounding okay on the violin. You see, when you start learning the violin, you sound awful for years and years. Trust me, my poor mum having to listen for, what is it, from the age of 9 to 14, me screeching away. Um, but when I was given my newest, well, sorry, my new acoustic violin, uh, that was when I actually thought to myself, do you know what, this is sounding okay. And the violin has... It was quite, it was relatively cheap in terms of a violin, a couple hundred pounds, which is cheap for a violin. Um, but for some reason, it's been made with a bit of wood, like it's tiger stripes. Now, usually you have to pay a lot for that, but I think it was just by chance that one of the bits of wood had this beautiful pattern on it. So even though it's a cheap violin, the wood just looks glorious. Um, and I just love looking at the back of my violin and stroking it and just seeing it, it looks so shimmery it really does i need to bring it out on my channel and show what i'm talking about one time it probably make great sounds but uh yeah that's 
the first thing on my list and music related yes bear in mind that this comes from the autistic who has never been in a nightclub when you're djing or even when you're performing how much is there going on in that one moment of time do you tend to focus on the violin what you're playing or are you focusing on about five or six different things at once well because i do it with frankie uh, because it's a duo fortunately i am i do have quite a lot of freedom to just focus on the violin so i it is more difficult DJing in a club. Um, I've had to adapt quite a lot. Uh, playing violin in a an orchestra, sorry, playing violin, I mean, and playing violin in an orchestra, you know, it's daylight or it's well lit and you can see what you're doing. Whereas in a nightclub, it's flashing lights. I usually try and DJ with earplugs in. So I'll play violin with it, one earplug in just to protect my ears and then I'll have it, another ear phone connected to the violin so I can hear what I'm playing, but it's dark. So I have to rely on muscle memory more and flashing lights. So it, it could be a bit of a task. I also have an instrument pedal that I connect the violin to. So this just means I could play around with distortion and overdrive and various different reverb sounds coming through the violin. So that's what I kind of stick to, the violin and the, the effects pedal and play about with that. And then I'll DJ a little bit, but fortunately I have my sister to kind of keep on top of the actual mixing of the tracks. So it, I think we work quite well together as a team. You were saying about uh, kind of it taking a while to actually sound good and not have it screeching, considering kind of developments and such on stage and being in the moment. How focused are you on it? And then also thinking about the crowd around you. Um, I'm getting better at reacting to the crowd. So when I'm just DJing on my own. Um, I'm very, I would say I engage with the crowd quite a lot. Um, I like to have a boogie and dance and get the, cri- the crowd hyped up. But when I, I notice even watching videos of me playing violin in a club back, I'm a lot more serious. You can see on my face that I'm concentrating. And I think, yeah, that's exactly what I do. I'm focused on getting the, the notes right. Um, and then when I've stopped playing maybe the sequence, then I'll have a wee bounce about and interact. But I'm, I'm trying to get better at playing and engaging at the same time. And I'm getting better. I, I do see that slowly evolving. But uh, yeah, it is, quite, it is quite a lot to try and manage um, in terms of the sound. Is that something that you think about when you look at the kind of acoustic violin that you've chosen, where you've come from and how much you've developed? Yeah, I mean... When we came up with the concept of playing the violin to the techno music, it was a far cry from what I'm, I was used to. I actually fell out of love with the violin. Well, not fell out of love, that's very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am quite a dramatic person. But um, I played it up until the age of 18. And then I went on a gap year to Australia, so I didn't bring my violin, started university, played it very seldomly. Um, or very seldom and then when I graduated I picked it up again and it'd been about five years since I'd properly like played for a solid period of time um so yeah I think after picking it up again that's when I was exploring different musical genres what can I play that's going to bring back the passion again because I had grown kind of sick of the whole orchestral um more classical violin pieces um and then when my sister got into DJing and started playing techno and house music that's when like I say the love came back and I was quite excited to explore improvisation which I'd never really done before I'd always thought that improvising was more attuned to jazz instruments but when I started playing around jamming with the violin I was bad at first but um, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better, to say the least. Uh, so that's kind of what I do more with the techno. I'll, I, I make up these violin parts and it's a little bit more contemporary, more of an improvisation. Is it that improvisation and that you know creative outlet that allows you to keep being interested and not fall out of love again with it? Yeah, I think so. And playing what I want to play, really, and um, playing the sounds that I like. I like kind of the more haunting sounds on the violin. I've never been like a a fiddle player um not that I'm decrying fiddle music I love a good Kaylee I love a good jig but um when I'm playing I like playing more minor key sounding pieces uh very depressing sounding but the haunting sound I love that I think it it's one of the main benefits of the violin you could make this haunting beautiful 
sound and that's what I try and do with the techno I think that's why it kind of works because techno is quite dark sounding and there could be a melodic element of the violin that's dark and yeah that's that's what I try and create and it keeps me interested yeah mm. let's move on to your second item then uh, what's that so I said my Himalayan salt lamp which is a recent addition in my life I put it actually on my throne wish list and <laughs> a subscriber Oliver he bought it for me which was so nice and it's been in my room for about a year now, or maybe just under, but I know it sounds weird, but I've got like a little ritual at night kind of like putting on my, well, it's not weird at all, really. It's just what I like to do. Um, I have my salt lamp and I put that on and then I'll put on my galaxy light, put on a wee bit of incense sometimes, um, and I'll listen to a Spotify playlist that I've created. Um, what was it called? Tunes That Make You Melt. And it's, it's like Enya and... Uh, Hans Zimmer and just beautiful music that chills me out and I enjoy just getting ready for bed with my wee salt lamp on that's the only light um, except from the galaxy lamp and it just really chills me out and puts me in a good place before going to bed. What is it kind of about it then that kind of puts you in that good place and is, is it just the general kind of design of it the stuff that it you know the way it looks? I think perhaps the placebo effect. Um, I know that there's a lot of, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. It, <laughs> I believe it does work. Um, but whether or not it does work, I think the fact that it is meant to help, it's meant to bring peace and clarity and calm. I'm, I just subscribe to anything. So I'm like, yeah, sure, this is working for me. And perhaps one could say because it's in my mind that it's working, it is working. But it, yeah, so I feel like the whole concept of it, I, I like. Um, the soft glow it's it's not a pure orange tone the whole way throughout like at the edges it's maybe a little bit darker and in the middle it's a more luminous orange and i just love the yeah the, the scattering of the shades over the rock i, I think it's very beautiful and yeah I, th I think more aesthetically it's more of an aesthetic thing and the fact that it was bought um because of what I do on YouTube, uh, that's the reason that it, I received it as a gift. Definitely is, you know, a, something that warms my heart. It really does. Um, so that combined with the aesthetic, I think that's why I've put that on my list. Is it kind of very key to wind it? Because you say you have this whole routine, all the stuff that you kind of do. Is it very key to um, all of that? And does it, you know, kind of, you said there about kind of thankfulness and, you know, thinking about the channel and all that kind of stuff. Does that come to mind every time you kind of, you know, basically go to sleep? I think it'll be at the back of my mind. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say it's at the forefront of my mind yeah. every time. However, I think it's a new routine. So I've only been in my current home, uh, as I said, since the summer. Um, and I've never actually had my own room before, really. Uh, at university, I had my own room. But, you know, it was rented. But my sister and I have this flat together. So it's my own space and it's a place where I could actually just do what I like. And that's been rare for me. I think being a twin, you know, I've always shared a bedroom. Um, and then I was in a long-term relationship, sharing a room with my partner. So I think having this space to myself, it's all kind of part and parcel with this this lamp. And it's it's my little thing. It's my little ritual. It's time for me. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's not like I think about it all the time, but analysing it now, I yeah, it's my downtime. That that's probably going back to your question about downtime. That's that's my little ritual. Is there anything else kind of aesthetic themed on your shelf? Oh yes, yes. It's another new addition. Um, it's a little laughing Buddha. So I was in Thailand a few weeks ago, and I think that was quite a significant trip for me. Um, I've been looking forward to it for. I only booked it in November. But I've been looking forward to it since then, particularly because I was seeing it as like a, a chance for me to just get away from everything. You know, my life has been quite crazy over the past year. And I was seeing this trip as kind of like a, a refresh, a restart, a chance just to get back to being me. And I remember being in a shop with my friend uh, who I was traveling with. And I saw this little laughing Buddha. And it's so cute. It's this little maroon um, ceramic ornament. But it made me laugh and I thought that's what I need. Just something that I could just sit on my desk when I look at and it'll make me laugh. And I'm all about 
yeah things that remind me to do to do certain things um so that's on my list my little buddha you said earlier about kind of particular stages in your life and the, at least the last two things you've said that they're quite recent it, it, do you think that they mark this next stage if you think you're at a new one anyway 100 percent, actually um this is like therapy session for me <laughs> i'm not qualified i had to say this last time i'm not qualified <laughs> But I think, like I said before, you know, um, even just voicing things out is a form of therapy. So I think even just chatting about this, yeah, I suppose that both of those two items, they kind of signify me where I'm at right now. And these are two items of my life, which, yeah, I, I didn't have before. And they wouldn't have been as relevant before, whereas now I think um, it's quite significant. Mm. You say that it's kind of something you look to, you have a little chuckle when you see it. Is, is this something that you kind of seek out a lot? In, you know, even if it's just items you buy, people you go and see, is is it just, but again, coming down to that idea of escape? Yeah, uh, I think the first time I ever did it, um, I love to paint. I really love to paint. And it was a friend's mum gave me a little gift. I think I was 16 and it was a mini canvas, tiny, tiny little canvas on a artist's board it was for your desk and she was like oh just paint a little mini picture and I did a smiley face and it was very basic and very simple but I painted that thinking right when I look at that I'm going to remember to smile and that was years ago but I think I've I've kind of always had that subconsciously without really thinking about it I, I like to have things that remind me to do certain things um like last year as well I was on I was working on a, a ship. I was DJing on a ship for a random 10 days. It was honestly the most fun. Um, but that was quite a turning point for me as well. It was the first time I kind of really learned to be happy in my own company. I know that sounds a bit weird, but I remember being on walk along the beach and I found a stone and I thought to myself, right, I'm going to keep this stone. And when I think about this stone and hold this stone in the future, I'll remember the feeling that I have right now that I'm, happy to be on my own and hopefully having this stone will remind me to to hold on to that feeling and continue to be happy and content in the moment so yeah very deep but that's that's the kind of things I do I like to have little objida that's going to help me remember to do certain things to be a certain way you were saying about kind of you know learning to be happy in your own company or you know being comfortable in it is that something that's developed a lot since that cruise definitely yes I, I again I kind of think going back to being a twin I've never really had a lot of time on my own um growing up with a twin we did a lot of the same things same interests sharing a room um we did our travels together and then after when I grew up a little bit I did travel on my own I've done I've been fortunate enough to um, have visited places and done some solo traveling. But even then, I would arrive in a city in a country and I would be on couch surfing, finding out which local events I could attend, who I could meet, who I could stay with, which community groups I could be a part of for that day. So even if I was solo traveling, I think I would rarely spend a full day on my own. Um, I would always be seeking out strangers to meet. And that's where I get my energy from. But last year um because i was working on this cruise i was i was kind of like a hybrid i was staff but i was also a guest because i was a dj so i wasn't um given staff access at first to like the backstage on the ship and the the crew areas um but then i wasn't necessarily integrating with the guests so i was quite on my own during the day and i remember walking around one of the stops um i was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to walk around uh, and that's that that was when I thought to myself Do you know what this is actually okay I don't need to find somebody to walk around with I don't need somebody to chat to I could I could walk along this beach by myself and it's good it's good so it, for, for a lot of people maybe that sounds weird like walking along on your own surely you should be content with that but like I say if somebody who's constantly had somebody there next to me um been in long-term relationships for a long time as well uh learning to be on my own is something that I've gotten to grow, or I've been grown with for the past year. 
is that something that you've done a lot more since as well just kind of walking around on your own or just you know spending time even if just a couple of minutes you know doing something for yourself is that something that you've done more since yes yes I would say I actually value my alone time more now um and I've been finding ways to have that moment alone whether it's going for walks or um doing a wee ritual at night time yeah uh I'm actually quite comfortable with it now. And that's good. That's good for me, at least. What kind of stuff, I know you mentioned there, your kind of ritual walking around. What kind of stuff, you know, do you do effectively? If anything comes to mind. Like I said before, I love to paint. So sitting there painting for me is a very relaxing outlet. And I need to do more of it, really. Um, I say I need to. I think it's because I know how good it makes me feel. Oh, I absolutely love going to the gym. My partner and I used to go together. Um, but over the past, even few years, actually, I started going on my own. And that's something I really enjoy doing. Just I, I'm quite into my weight training. And yeah, I, I do that quite a lot. Going out for runs. That's that's something I like to do on my own. Swimming. It's, it's interesting that, actually. I've always been quite active in sports. And all the sports that I've really done throughout my life, like Taekwondo, gymnastics, swimming, they're all quite solo sports. So for somebody who says they don't really like being alone that much, it's interesting that I've chosen sports that you're kind of solitary rather than team sports. So that's just me analysing myself again. <laughs> and, you know, aside from the, you know, you mentioned the sports stuff there just now and the gym, but all the other stuff, kind of painting, the nighttime ritual, all that stuff, it, it's normally associated with calmness in a way and stress relief. And, and, you know, even stuff like weight training can be associated with stress relief. Definitely. It, is that something that you're aware of or is it just the coincidence in a way of all the stuff that you do? Um, with the gym, I'm definitely aware of it. Like if I'm having a bad day, um, I can't be bothered going to the gym or what, doing anything. I'll, I'm quite good at motivating myself and I'll go and I'll go for a run. And it's just amazing how much better I feel after it. Like runner's high is a thing for sure. And I'm aware of it. And so I think that does spur me on. If I'm feeling bad and I can't be bothered, I'm like, right, just do it, Josette. And you know you'll feel better for it. And I always do. So with the gym particularly, I, it is something that I know is going to sort me out. Um, with painting, it's just something I've always I've always loved. Drawing, uh, put a piece of paper and a pen in front of me when I was a kid. I'd be happy for the full day, you know. So it's, it's that's just been something I've always done. Not really thought about it. But um, yeah, I'd say the like, walking and more active things, that's when I'm more conscious about seeking something that's going to help my mental health. I realise all of this stemmed from the laughing Buddha. <laughs> um, yeah, I can ramble. I really can. Absolutely fine. I love a ramble. Um, but, you know, there's off mic points about that, but still. <laughs> um, let's go to item number four, shall we? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a, a birthday ring, well, a ring, um, a white gold ring that I wear on my finger. And my mum bought me it for my 16th birthday. Um I'm actually not wearing it now. I'd worn, I'd worn it every day for the past eight years. But uh, I was, where was I actually? I was with my mum. Oh, we were down London. We were in London. And I think one of the days I noticed that one of the, the diamonds in the little ring had gone. And yeah, it, it, it looks funny. It looks like, almost like a gap tooth. Um, that's what it reminds me of, looking at this ring with the missing diamond. It, it reminds me of like a tooth with, or a mouth with um, a missing tooth. So I need to get that fixed. I need to get a wee replacement diamond. And I think because my mum got me it, it's sentimental. And it, I'm quite a, I'm quite good at remembering events in my life. So I could I could picture being in that store, in the jewellery store with my mum and looking it out and actually picking it. And yeah, it just brings back really nice memories of being there with my mum. And it was significant. It was my 16th birthday. I remember feeling excited about turning 16 and, yeah, and it's also beautiful, again, back to the aesthetic. You've spoken about this, of course, your relationship with your sister, now your mum. You you know, it seem to very much value close family connections. I do. Uh, it's something I've definitely been valued a lot more as well recently. You know, I, I actually had this chat with my mum. I was staying with her this week um, for four nights. I was staying with her and we went to the cinema one night and we watched a film and it was very wholesome and it was... Um, it's called Alleluia, and it was about... Oh, wonderful film. Oh, it was fantastic. I didn't know what to expect, but it was so good. And, 
you know, having seen it, you'll appreciate, you know, one of the themes I'd say in that film is, you know, family and love and how, you know, these people love their parents or their relatives, but they're in the geriatrics ward and, you know, they've still kind of been distanced from their family in a sense. And I was speaking to my mum and I was like, yeah, you know, being older, I definitely value family a lot more. When I was younger, my dad used to always say to me, get out of Scotland, get out of Dundee, get out of Scotland, go live abroad, go travel the world. And I did that. And I, I've lived in various different countries for quite an extended period. But, um, you know, late 20s now, and I'm back in Scotland, which I didn't expect myself to to be. I didn't uh, When I was younger, I didn't think I'd be living in Scotland. But it's because I value family a lot more now and being at least in the same country or not that far from my family is something that is appealing to me and it's it does influence where I am in the world um where I am in my life so yeah it's something I'm definitely treasuring uh as I'm getting older do you also just generally feel very strongly connected to your roots do you think um yeah I am quite a patriotic person I suppose (laughs) if that's what you mean um but it's not I mean I lived in Newcastle for about five years so well it depends depends if I'm looking at myself as a Scottish person or a British person (laughs) depends on how I look at that question but yeah I mean um I do I do feel quite connected to my roots and I'm proud of where I'm from and where my family's from um yeah but I don't think that's necessarily a deciding factor I think if my whole family uprooted and went and lived in Thailand I'd be over there as fast as Mm. you could say Thailand you know um but I think it's just being it's being close to family and you know I actually like the UK as a place you know it's it's there's so many different cities that offer something vibrant and different but they're very close together which is quite rare I'd say you know you look at the USA and They've got some fantastic cities, but they're so far apart. And I lived in Australia for a year. And again, great cities, but you're traveling for ages. Whereas the UK is so accessible. And I, for somebody who travels a lot, I really like that. I like being able to jump about, go to a new city. And it's a completely different vibe and a completely different scene. But you're only like a three-hour train journey. I, I love that. I love that about the UK. I've recently been reading um, Bill Bryson's notes from a small island, and he effectively says that everything is so close together, and yet all the people will make it seem like they're thousands of miles apart because it's completely different yeah. wherever you go. A hundred percent. Like it blows my mind how the UK has such a variety of accents, but we're all so close together. Like even when I was living in Newcastle, I'd meet somebody from Sunderland. And they would consider themselves completely different in terms of how they speak, in terms of how they act. I think a lot of it is to do with football, to be fair. Is that one of the, you know, not just the UK in general, you were saying earlier, and you've said a couple of times about just how much you like talking to people. Is that part of it, just all the, you know, differences and where people come from that you kind of just like talking to people about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like hearing people's stories and knowing what they've they've experienced in life i think you can learn a lot from that and i do enjoy that aspect of getting to know somebody Hmm. very quickly on the point of the ring you say you wore it every day for kind of eight years in a row um you know even even with the kind of little diamond uh that had been lost i guess what was the symbolism of wearing it every single day or was it just the family connection do what it was actually it wasn't to do with the family connection um i when i was younger i think I always looked after my things, you know, my dad always jumped it into me, look after books, don't draw on books, don't mess them up. And it almost became an obsession. Like I had so many books growing up because I love to read, but they were like, they were brand new. Looked like they, they looked like they'd never been touched, but I'd read them all. But I would sit there like holding the book at a 45 degree angle open, keeping the spine from bending. I, I was obsessed. It was kind of weird. And I was like that with a lot of things. I hated scuffs on my shoes and ruining things. So when I got my ring when I was 16, I didn't wear it for five years. I kept it in a jewellery box and I would look at it and be like, okay, that's nice. And then forget about it for a couple of months. And it was when I was 21, I wore it on a night out and I took it off in the bathroom and I almost forgot to put it back on. And I thought, right, if I wear it all the time, then I'll become used to wearing it and I won't even think to take it off when I've had a drink. Um, I'll, I'll be so used to having it on all the time that 
yeah, I won't make that mistake. So that was pretty much it, really. And I thought to myself, I need to start using things. I can't just keep this in a drawer looking pretty because 50 years will go by. And what use has it been to, to me? So I think from my early 20s, that's when I was like, right, let's stop this ridiculousness of not using things or being scared to use things. Um, just use them. So I think, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like getting out of that mindset as well. So it's kind of significant in that way. Let's move on to your uh, final item on your shelf, shall we? Yeah, sure. So um, my final item would be, well, it's kind of a few items, my old diary. So I actually mentioned there, didn't I, that mm. at the very beginning that I kept a diary every day from the age of eight to 16. I don't know, what's the significance with eight? <laughs> that's, that's another eight-year thing. Um, actually, in Chinese, eight is a very prosperous number um, because it rhymes with, the word for prosperous um anyway that's just a wee fun fact <laughs> but yeah so my old diaries um and i think because with them i could see my growth i could look at my first diary when i was eight years old and there was three lines for every day and i would write very basic things like i I went to school and we did some maths and I was annoyed because the teacher gave us too much homework. You know, it's very basic, but it's it's funny and it's cute. And some of them have given me a right laugh looking back um, until the age I was 16. And I've written pages and pages and you could see how my thoughts have developed, how I've developed as a person. It's quite tangible. And I like that. I like having tangible memories. I guess those are very formative years as well. Yeah, exactly I've, I've you grow up so much in such a short period of time or you, you like to think that you grew up at least um and reading my diaries back as well they are super cringy so it's not it's not necessarily oh i could read it back and it's so poignant and i can see where i've grown no i'm looking at my my diary and thinking what the heck joseph come on get a grip but it's it's funny as well i do like having a wee laugh at myself and, <laughs> yeah i enjoy that Obviously, you said there's some quite cringy moments there. Um, but do you find any commonalities or just, I guess, you know, mild smiles at the way you've developed? Yeah, I, I could definitely, like, I do have quite a good memory. So I could remember, uh, like, specific times when I was writing my diary, like those couple of entries. And I could actually remember sitting there writing that. And I remember how I felt. And I feel the same but different. That's That's the best way to describe it, the same but different. And... I could see where I've changed and grown up, but I could also see where I'm I'm still the exact same person um, underneath and how my values and certain, some values haven't changed, you know, the way I look at things, my perspective, I could see where it has changed, where it hasn't. And yeah, it's quite fun, I think, to to have a wee analysis of yourself in that sense. How often do you turn back to them? Probably twice a year or something if I'm up in the attic getting something and I get sidetracked I might have a, a wee peek in one of my diaries and have a look but yeah I would say maybe every six months or something I'll go back and read a couple of entries but it's not it's not like a set in stone thing that I do yeah it's just if I remember <laughs> it it's the cliche kind of question but do you think your childhood self would think that you were going to go back and read these or you know see how you've developed and such yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I was writing to myself, like I did think, oh, I'll be nice when I'm, you know, an adult and I'm older and I could sit back and read my diary. I mean, <laughs> who did I think I was? Um, <laughs> but that was that was what went through my mind. I was like, oh, I'll be nice to like keep a record and go back and read it. Whereas now I'm looking at these diaries and I'm like, these are getting burned before <laughs> I die. These are getting burned. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I don't know who it was thinking of yeah, writing these memoirs um, that nobody else is going to enjoy but myself. But I did think to myself, oh, well, maybe when I grow up and have a daughter or a son, I could pass on these diaries and they could read them and find out about what I was like when I was a kid. And then now I'm reading it, I'm like, absolutely not. I would definitely not pass these on to any child. <laughs> no way. Um, but, yeah, I think it was more like a... A preservation of how I was as a, a kid and I think it kind of came off the back of I'm I'm so interested in my family tree and who my family was and ancestors and doing family trees like actually exploring them so 
I think I wrote them out of what I would have liked to have had. I would have loved to have been able to read my mum's diary. I would have absolutely loved to have been able to have a, st- uh, a sneak peek into my grand's life, you know, through writing or whatnot. But um, like I say, reading back the cringiness, I'm like, nah, nobody needs to read that. It's fine. <laughs> And you said earlier that kind of you've translated, not quite in a diary, but you've translated that to YouTube, to your ASMR channel, where it is kind of there for a worldwide audience. Anyone can watch those videos almost. Yeah, I. it is quite an interesting one because I'm so exposed, but it's such a personal thing sometimes. And that's, it is interesting. I mean, I'm quite similar with my, my personal Instagram. I post quite a lot of pictures, but not for other people, for myself. Like, I love going back and using it as, like, a, a photo book, an album. So it's like a public forum, but I'm doing it for me, if that makes any sense. So it is, perhaps it is a bit of a, I don't know, a strange one with YouTube, something so personal, but also so open and publicly available. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll know from my channel, it's not like I go into so much yeah. detail. I, I kind of, like, I the, to- the topics I talk about, Um, can be quite generic to a lot of people and I'm not giving specifics but it's detailed enough that it is like a form of therapy. Hmm. And I presume then that you are conscious that it is going out to a public audience then while you're making it or is there parts of you that does occasionally when filming drift away and just it is you in that moment? Yeah yeah I think if uh, the whole time I was filming I was thinking about the thousands of strangers that could be watching it I think perhaps it would become a lot more self-conscious or hold myself in a different way but you do forget in your room on your own like I said like I said my bio you know turns out 30 minutes whispering in a mic on my own is therapeutic and yeah you, you do just see it as something that you're doing for yourself like I started my channel not because I thought I was ever going to be able to do anything significant with my channel but because I, I broke my foot I've been watching ASMR for years and I was off work for three weeks as a result of my broken foot I had my old Blue Yeti from radio at university, which I'm using right now. And I thought, you know what, let's just make a couple of videos and have a wee ramble and a wee chat whilst I'm off work. And I made these videos and popped them up and then kind of forgot about them and came back a few weeks later to see that there'd been some traction. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is fun. And I just kind of kept going with it. And that's that's how it was born, really. So it was, it was kind of always something personal, something to keep me occupied, like a wee vlogging. ASMR experience at first and and it's been embraced by people as we said earlier it's been embraced by people who are in a way equally open to you back in the comments oh I, yeah some people um really do have that connection with the channel and I do feel connected them to them in that sense as well like I've met some amazing people through the comments through my patreon twitter instagram um I would consider one or two of my best friends, especially Jodie Marie ASMR, I'd consider her as one of my closest friends. And I've met her through YouTube, which is amazing. You know, I love that. I love that. And there's a girl in Alaska that I'm friends with through ASMR. And these people have really been there for me. And it's, yeah, I, I could only thank uh, the big crazy internet for that. Shall we go over the five items on your shelf once more? Yes, sure. So the first one was my violin, but specifically my acoustic violin. The second was the salt lamp that I have. The third was the small Buddha ornament. The fourth was my 16th birthday ring. And the fifth was my diary collection. What goes through your mind when you hear all that back? I wouldn't go as far to say anything like a legacy, (laughs) nothing like that. Um, I think gratitude really that I'm able to find solace in these little things and they are you're not they could seem quite insignificant to maybe a lot of people but that's that's the the beauty of this challenge really I think somebody else would have a completely different list and they might have something on that list that I'd think what um but when you hear stories about something and really what it means it does point you to certain periods of your life and I think looking at that they offer a development of my life and they show a path that I've taken and different paths that I've taken and some of those items on the list wouldn't be there if I'd chosen a different path in life. Uh, so I suppose I, I'm able to reflect and think, right, this is where I am and 
these items are significant to me, this version of me, and I'm happy with who I am, so I suppose it's gratitude. Wonderful. Well, Josette, thank you so much for joining me. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much. And uh, again, apologies for the slightly sniffly voice (laughs) you've got here. (laughs) Absolutely fine. Thank you so much. And there we have it, Josette's mental health shelf. I had a really great time talking to her for this. It was one of those situations where I kind of kept wanting to ask more and more questions, delve just that little bit deeper, particularly actually in terms of the music and the DJing side of things. It was fascinating. I really wanted to know more about that. But timings kind of meant that that couldn't really happen. But what we did cover, I was certainly very interested by myself. Previously, when I've done interviews outside of this podcast, on a couple of occasions, um, normally what happens is the interview will finish, we'll say a couple of words and then go our separate ways. That's normally how it kind of happens. And then five minutes later, my mind starts up and starts saying, you talk too much, you really irritated them, you just annoyed them, all that kind of stuff. You know, the fun stuff that really proves that I'm my own worst critic. However, in this case, we talked for a couple of minutes and then Josette said, oh yeah, because I don't really know your story, do I? And it was at that point that my mind completely glitched because I somehow wasn't expecting the question and it's not as if I haven't been preparing for it for the last well over two decades. I forgot how to speak any language including English, gibberish and basic noises. I think I then very awkwardly said a couple of sentences and then, as usual, we went our separate ways. And then it was less than five minutes after that that my mind finally started back up. Quite different to usual, really, because this time shouting at me, Why didn't you say more, you awkward fool? Because on the one hand, I don't want to seem rude or ignorant or as if I'm rushing people along, which in my mind may have slightly been the case. On the other hand, I don't want to hassle people because they've probably got things to do and much better things than talking to me. But anyway, despite my awkwardness, which of course I apologise for, it does show that Josette is, as she said in our conversation, just very interested by people of all forms of life, all backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. She's generally interested in just, well, people. And as I say, had a great time talking to her as part of this podcast. If you want to follow Josette on Instagram and Twitter, you can. She has various profiles. I'll link some of them in the podcast description, wherever that may be, wherever and however you're listening to this. Uh, Alongside links to her music duo with her twin sister, Frankie Kintra. Various profiles there as well. Various places where you can listen to them, including on Spotify and YouTube, where Josette's ASMR channel, ASMR Shortbread, can also be found. But once again, that is far too much waffle from me. Thank you to Josette for joining me on this particular episode. Thank you to you for listening and, well, making it this far through this outro, I guess. Uh, Thank you very much. Please stay safe and goodbye for now.